0: Because you have created all things, and because of your will, or some, some translations may translate it, for your pleasure, they exist and were created. Everything in this universe was created for the purpose of bringing God pleasure. When we think about that, it kind of it may seem like a, an odd type of a, a purpose to live by, because everything in this culture is about bringing pleasure to ourselves. In fact, if you think about this idea of what pleasure really is, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, pleasure is a feeling of happiness, enjoyment, satisfaction, a pleasant or pleasing feeling, activity that is done for enjoyment, something or someone that causes a feeling of happiness, enjoyment, or satisfaction. And then it goes on to say that pleasure is a state of gratification. Uh, of sensual gratification, of frivolous amusement, a source of delight and joy. And if that doesn't sum up what this world that we live in is all about, I'm not really sure what it is. Because as we talked about a couple weeks ago, there are different levels of, in which people live, and sometimes people live on the, on the level of, if I could just get through this week, and then I can kind of look forward to the weekend, and then whatever we have planned for the weekend is going to bring me joy, me satisfaction, me enjoy, or delight and so forth. And and the whole idea of, I'm going to do what brings me pleasure. But that's the opposite of what God's uh, desire and purposes are all about. America is all about doing anything that they think will bring them pleasure. And the more, the merrier, right? Whether it's a hobby, drugs, immorality, liquor, relationships, vacations, whatever. Uh, If someone thinks that they will experience pleasure by it, they'll participate in it. But God's viewpoint is a bit different. God says, I created you to bring me pleasure. I created you for me. You know, the media and TV world is always praising someone for doing something. Uh, In fact, philanthropists are praised for donating money and then having hospitals named after them. We have it here in our area. How many of you have ever actually taken the time to read the wall as you go into most of our area hospitals? Have you ever done that? You know what those walls and names are all about? People that gave a lot of jingles to get their name on the wall. And we probably can't even imagine a lot of them that are uh, on those walls how much they really did give. But it's all about being praised and leaving a legacy of what I am all about, and that brings pleasure to me. So they're being applauded. And oftentimes you'll see sports athletes and, and prominent figures applauded for being the MVP of the league or being the MVP of the playoffs. And you have to understand that even though they're being applauded and even though they're bringing pleasure to themselves by their actions and their approval of man, it is short lived. It's temporary. Um, I think the only MVP player I can remember from the last 20 years is Michael Jordan, and everybody knows him, right? But all the other individual MVPs of baseball and football and tennis and everything, who remembers them? They're usually short-lived. They're usually temporary. But people are all about um, living for themselves and what brings them pleasure. So two weeks ago, we were reminded that God loves us so much. And this week's message is really an admonition to love Him back in return. So if we're honest with ourselves and with God, this is not always an easy task. In fact, turn your Bibles, if you would, if you're not there yet, to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And I want to read several verses beginning with verse 35. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked the question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. I want you to think about those last couple words again. This is the greatest and most important command. Uh, In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he gives us those three things once again, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, With all your soul and with all your mind. But in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it adds this other phrase with all your strength. Um, These two words, though, I want to highlight just for a moment greatest and most important. Um, How key are these two words to our everyday walk with God? Greatest and most important. What if the words were replaced with these two words? For this is an okay command, and it's probably good for you. I mean, how much different would that be in the context of what the verse is saying? You see, God didn't use great or didn't use okay and good. He used greatest and most important. Let me really put it down into where we can all understand it just for a moment. Let's assume for a moment that we're talking about cancer treatment. Somebody is you know uh, fallen prey to cancer. And the doctor says, hey, this treatment plan, it's okay, and it's probably a good one. Or would you rather say that this is the greatest and most important plan to attack this? Which one would you think would be most acceptable? Greatest and most important. But I'm afraid that in our day-to-day lives, we settle for what is good and what is okay. Does that make sense? You know, if we really did live to bring God pleasure in every aspect of our lives, we would ask ourselves a question, what is the greatest thing that I can do to bring glory to God in my day-to-day living? What is the best and most important thing that I can do with my time? And am I willing to funnel that through every decision, activity, action that is performed in my life day-to-day? Or am I okay with okay and good? See, most of us wouldn't argue that point. I mean, in theory, we would all agree that we want to do what is best, and most important, what is is right. But how we end up living living that out in our lives is often sometimes less. The emphasis is clear. What he's saying here is you need to love me most. In fact, he says the greatest thing that you can do is love me with all your heart. And when you think about this, we've heard messages about this our entire lives as Christians, if we've grown up in the church. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and as Mark 12 says, with all of our strength. But what does that mean? What does it mean to truly love God with everything that is within us? And when we talk about our heart, we're talking about our passions. When we say we love our spouse with all of our heart, are we not talking about with the passion that is within us? That we'll do anything for them. Because we want what's best for them. And we've said many times in the past that love means it is a decision. It is a decision that results in an action that expects nothing in return. So we have this idea of loving someone because I've decided to love them and I want to do what's best for them, whether they, whether they return it or not. I know that I'm responsible for me to love as God would have me to love. So with all my passion, then the soul, with everything that's within you, and then he says, with our, all of your mind, with, every, with thoughtfulness and creativity, and with all of our strength, with all your ability, with all that is within you, you're putting energy behind serving and loving God. I wonder how often we really apply that to most of the everyday aspects of our life. Um, do we take time to love God this way when it comes to our own walk with God? We love Him so much that we're willing to spend time with Him and read, read His Word and and pray with him, and talk with him, and let him talk to us, and then we talk to him back. And do we make that a priority in our lives? Or what about the daily things of just sharing Christ with people that come your way? I mean, that's not always easy, is it? Uh, I know that for me in my own life, I have to I have to work at that because I'm around Christian people most of my time, and so I have to go out of the way a little bit. And when I see people, I'm hey, I'm waving at them and saying, hey, come over for a second, let's talk a little bit. And we're getting you know, you have to work at it it's not natural but I want to tie the concept of loving God with another familiar term which is the term worship my first purpose in life is to love or worship God with my life but some people have the idea that worship is all about singing or going to church Uh, it's just you know something that we do but worship may include that but worship is much much more than that uh, you hear me say often that we've worshipped God through music, now let's worship Him in the Word. So worship may include <coughs> excuse me, music, but it's much, much more than that. To worship God is to love God with every part of our being. With every part of our being. In fact, turn your Bibles just for a moment to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, another very familiar verse that I want to highlight this morning as we tie these two concepts together. He says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. There's that word pleasing because we're to bring Him pleasure. This is your spiritual worship. First of all, Paul gives us the basis of our worshiping God. Why do we worship God as He has commanded us? Why do we take the time to do that? Well, he gives us this right away in the beginning. I urge you to present your bodies as... I'm sorry. uh, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Because of His mercy. That's your basis. When we think of what God has spared us from, He is merciful. Think about that. If every one of us in this room, based on the fact that we are born into sin, Romans 3.23, and that we are born without a mindset of, of loving and trusting God, He reaches down in His mercy and offers us salvation. We have all been spared from the pit of hell. Have we not? God's mercy to mankind is our basis of worship. If you've ever taken a moment, you have probably at some point in your church growth over the years have heard something about Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Have any of you ever read that? Actually read it through? It's an amazing message in content. But he talks about human beings in only a way that Jonathan Edwards can show it being dangled out over an abyss of lake fire, and then God reaching out and pulling you out of that pit. But that's exactly what he says he does in Psalm 40. He said, I brought you up out of a horrible pit, and set your feet upon a rock, and established your goings. And then he says, I put a new song in your mouth, even praise unto your God, that many shall see it, and fear and trust in the Lord. God gave us a new standing on solid rock, according to Psalm 40. And that's exactly what God has done. So, when we think of how merciful God has been in sparing us what we truly deserve, that becomes our basis to be live, live our, give our lives as a living sacrifice. Secondly in that verse, Paul urges us to present or offer ourselves. To present ourselves means that we present ourselves voluntarily, not by force. It is done willingly, not of persuasion. It is a choice to present ourselves out of a heart of love and gratitude. It is giving back because of what we've been given. We love because we've been first loved by Him. So we present willingly. Let me ask you a question, those of you that have been parents and have watched your children grow. Would you rather your child do something with a, out of initiative and a heart of pleasing you as a, as a parent Or would you rather have to give him a spanking than make him do what he needs to do? I wonder if God doesn't feel the same way sometimes. I love to see it when my children obey. When they do it willingly. They're not doing it out of guilt. They're not doing it out of persuasion. They're not doing it because somebody's watching them and they feel bad. If they don't do it, they're going to get caught. But when our children obey just because they want to do it. Doesn't that bring pleasure to you? Doesn't that bring pleasure to God? I mean, God... I remember growing up in Sunday school and hearing that song, He does not compel us to go. Oh no, He does not compel us to go. He does not compel us to go against our will. He just makes us willing to go. Wouldn't it be amazing that if we would just out of a heart of obedience and a heart of love, based on the mercy that God has bestowed upon us, Willingly offer our lives back to Him. Thirdly, Paul urges us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We all understand the concept of sacrifice, but this is not the same. You see, Paul is not suggesting that we die for the Lord, he's suggesting that we live for Him a living sacrifice. And this is an offering of our entire life as a whole to be used of God for whatever His purposes may be. We've said many times that a sacrifice is something we all understand. If I were to put it in practical terms, I would say say something like this to you. Are you willing to sacrifice your Saturday to help me over here at the church and get some work projects done? Because in your mind, you say, well, Saturday is the only day I have this week I need to run here, I need to run here, and need to do this, and need to do this. And I really have a full day Saturday, and I really don't have time to go over there. But would you willing, be willing to sacrifice that day to get this thing done for the, for the church? Now, you can put in whatever sacrifice this for this you want. The idea of sacrifice is that I'm willing to give up something to do something else. So, on a practical level, to give my life as a living sacrifice... What is it that we live for? Some of us are living for our relationships. I mean, to some of us, the most important thing in this world is my family. That's not a bad thing. But the Gospels also remind us that we need to be willing to love God more than family, right? So, it may be family, it may be a job, it may be possessions, it may be a vacation, it may be a hobby. It could be any number of things. That I live for? Am I willing to sacrifice what I would normally in my flesh choose to live for to do something God may ask me to do, which is to live for Him and put His purposes ahead of my own? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to sacrifice what is important to me to do what may be important to God? And here's the an amazing thing, that when I walk with God, what is important to God becomes what's important to me. Isn't that true? Isn't it amazing when those two join together? And then you walk in fellowship with God? But here's the amazing thing. In Romans 12, 1, at the end of the verse, it says, Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. Living for God is worship. Does that make sense? When I'm willing to sacrifice what may be important to me in my flesh, to do what is important to God in His glory and His purposes, that's worship. See now, life becomes about Him and not about me so much. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter thirteen. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. It says, Therefore, through Him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess His name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, what, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. He wants us to sacrifice praise to Him. Or sacrifice what what is important to us to do praise to him let me just for a moment try to illustrate the correlation between love pleasure and worship and how these three things tie together um, it may not make a whole lot of sense to you but it makes perfect sense to me and you'll see why in just a moment the greatest pleasure comes from the object that is loved what is it that you love more than anything else The greatest pleasure comes from the object that is loved. For example, uh, if we don't love something, chances are that we're not going to gain pleasure from that object. Um, If you don't love it, it's not going to bring pleasure to you. So, if I were to ask you to tour an RV factory with me, you could probably think of ten other things that you'd rather enjoy doing, more than that. But let's just think for a moment that, hey, Ken has asked me to tour this RV factory and alright, I guess if he wants to do it, <coughs> why not, let's do it. You know, you walk through that uh, factory and you think, uh, you know, uh, bottom line is, you know, you're seeing all these materials, you're seeing how these frames are put together, you're looking at the chassis and the Moeride system, and you're looking at the water tanks that are installed, how the electrical, electrical wiring is done, pulled through the walls of it, you know, and and if you've ever walked through an RV factory, they are amazing. How they put all this stuff together in this little house on wheels. You know, it's got all your wiring and all the fuses and all the you know plumbing. And it's all through the walls. It's really fascinating. Um, I, on the other hand, I, I enjoy it because I've owned one. I've had a forty-foot fifth wheel, a Holiday Rambler. And uh, I've always jokingly said that the HR that's on the back of the Holiday Rambler It doesn't stand for Holiday Rambler as a believer. It stands for House of the Righteous And so, uh, no, but I enjoy that. I mean, we we had fun with that We traveled all across the country in that 40-foot fifth wheel And if you've ever walked through a factory, you think, man, that is fascinating But you know, you look at everything You see, well, that means something to you because it brings you pleasure to see all of it. If you don't love RVs, and you find no pleasure in being in them, chances are it's not going to get any of your affection. But what is it for you? What is it that you would worship? A lot of people say, man, if I you know I work 40, 50 hours a week, and if I can get to that 60 mark, it might give me a little extra. I can get this, get that. I can get that home that I finally want. I can get that vehicle. Do whatever it is. I mean, I can just really work towards it. And I mean, because I really love that. And it means something to me. I'm willing to sacrifice to get it. I'm going to, you know, you know, it is what brings me pleasure and satisfaction and joy. And what is it for you? Uh, There's no secret I like trucks. I think trucks are cool. RVs are cool. Cabins are cool. But it's not what we live for. It's not what we live for what we live for is what should bring glory to God. So what we love usually brings us pleasure. But God so loved you and me that He's pleasured with us. Think about this. We are the object of His pleasure. Think about that. You and I are the object of His pleasure. Is that not amazing? Is that not amazing? That's what Psalm 149 talks about. For Yahweh takes pleasure in his people. He created us to bring pleasure to you. When we love God supremely, we'll not only find pleasure in him, but we'll find pleasure in He'll find pleasure in us, and our worship become more genuine. When we love him completely, supremely. I want us to think about this a moment. Every one of us in this room, every one of us, without exception, worships something or someone. For many of us, it may be God, and that's wonderful. But for many of us, it may be something else, and that's not so wonderful. We may all, we all worship something or someone. It may be a person. It may be a career. Or it may be money or possessions. It may be hobbies. It may be our own opinions of what we think of things. To some of us, our opinions are the greatest things that we possess. And every time we get in a conversation with someone, we're going to let people know what our opinions are, because we value our own opinions, because we're right. Maybe something else. Many of us could very likely possess idols in our lives, And what is an idol? Honestly, anything that we give more time and affection to than God has the potential of becoming an idol in our life. Anything that we give more time and affection to has the potential of being an idol in our life. So if we're honest with ourselves this morning, if God expects us to live to bring Him pleasure, but we're busy being pleasured by other things around us, is it possible that those things are idols in our life that need to be dealt with? And let me just say this on the flip side too. If I'm living to bring someone or something else pleasure, that's sin. Galatians 1.10, and we've talked about this on, in the past, but Galatians 1.10 says, if I should please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Let me just say that again. If I should please men, that's those around me, if my greatest endeavor in life is to please everyone around me, I cannot be the servant of Christ. I shared this with someone last night and I said, listen, here's the deal. I don't want to go through life irritating anybody. People are going to be irritated, but that's certainly not my goal. I want to live peaceably with all men, right? All of us do. But when it comes to the end of my life, I'm not going to stand before Mike Cosgrove and give an account. I'm not going to stand before Nick Titus and give an account. I'm not going to stand behind Betty Plant and give an account. I will stand before God. And He's the one that I need to please. I would love it if everyone else would understand and we could be unified in every aspect of life. But if I'm living to please everyone else, God's word makes it clear. If I should please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The most important person that I can live for is God. That's it. He's the one that I will stand before one day when I die and give an account of my life. So though I want to please other people, the most important person I'm going to try to please is God. But if I'm living for other people, I'm missing the point of what God has for me. I want us to consider two verses in closing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because He what? First loved us. That's important. That's another part of our motivation. Not just because He's been merciful to us, but what's the basis of His mercy? His love. He loved us so much that He chose to be merciful to us. Even though we deserved hell, He's given us the hope of heaven. That's awesome. And in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, it says, For our desire loyalty, which is often translated love, and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He said, I want your life. I don't want you to die for me. I want you to live for me. So when it comes down to my, <coughs> my, de, my, 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 my um, focus, the direction of my life, who am I living for? Who am I trying to please? Because God's Word is clear. We should be living to please Him. And if we're living to please anyone else but Him, we can't truly be His servant. He has to come first. First. If you hate not father and mother and brother and sister, get this in concept here. Get this in principle. Love God more than anything else that this world has to offer. Living for the pleasures of God. O Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and power because you have created all things, and because of your will or for your pleasure, they exist and were created. Despite what we may think we're on this earth for Ultimately you're here To bring pleasure to God So the question we have to ask ourselves In closing this morning is this Does my life bring pleasure to God? See I personally believe that Every one of us in this room Has something to give to God I believe that James 2 says that Faith without works is what? Dead, it's non-existent It's really not there Ephesians 2.8.9 reminds us that our works don't save us. But if we truly know Jesus Christ, we'll want to serve Him. But the problem is you can't serve God and the things of this world at the same time. God's Word makes that clear too. So I have to make the choice. I either choose to serve God and bring Him pleasure with my life, or I choose to serve myself and be pleasured with the things around me in my life. I can't do both. There's only one exception to that. That's when I'm walking in fellowship with God. And I'm joined in with his purposes. And that brings me pleasure. But apart from God, you can't do both. So I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by that. So when I get up in the morning, and my mind starts to work, the first thoughts that come through my mind, when I go about my day and... I'm confronted with situations that are less than I would choose. Coworker's a jerk. The boss is being ridiculous. The company doesn't make good choices. Then I see my coworkers and my friends and my neighbors and relatives and they're being ridiculous. How do I respond to all these things? Am I bringing God pleasure by my responses? Or am I feeding my flesh and? Bringing me pleasure by by them? Or how I live? What I spend my time, my talents, my treasures on? Is God getting the pleasure through that? Or am I being selfish and living for me? See, those are questions that only you and God know the answer to. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think too often we live to bring ourselves pleasure more than we do to bring God pleasure. That's something we need to deal with as a body. I don't know how God may challenge your heart, but for me, that's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. Every day is His. Every day is His. It belongs to Him. How am I going to bring Him pleasure through it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the fact that it's true, it's real, it lives And I pray, God, that every one of us in this room, Lord, would be honest and obedient. Honest about where we're at in our walk with you, whether or not we're truly bringing pleasure to you, and obedient to what we need to do to change that if it's not right. So, Lord God, would you work in our hearts this morning, Lord? God, would you do in our hearts what only you can do to help us be honest? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as we say often, as we have a choice as to how we should respond to what God has challenged us with, how would God have you to respond? Say, Pastor Ken, if I'm honest with myself this morning, I haven't been living to give God pleasure. Through my decisions, through my walk, through my attitude, through whatever else. If I'm honest with myself this morning, God has not received the pleasure from my life and how I'm living it. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Yes. 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 Anyone else say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to give God pleasure. Yes. Yes. Can I just challenge you? Yes. Front to back, side to side. Simply. Thank you. Simply acknowledging that. What are the areas that need to change in my life? Is it my response? Is it my attitude? Is it my desire? Is it my daily actions and activities? What is it that's in my life that needs to change so that God would be receiving the pleasure for how I live? And ask God to reveal that to you. Just in the stillness of this moment, simply... Talk with God. Confess it. And ask for his help to make it right. Let's all stand to our feet this morning.